Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Yes, you know hockey exists on ESPN. I'm Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan. This is the In the Crease podcast. Emily, how are you? I'm doing great, Linda. How are you? I'm fabulous. May I start with some like news about a player that I was so impressed with, you know, as we're talking on a Thursday afternoon, uh, so impressed with on Wednesday, and it was Vladimir Tarasenko. Oh my gosh, he was buzzing. He was buzzing. He was a shot machine. He scored the game-winning goal for the St. Louis Blues, who, oh, by the way, won all three games on their season-opening road trip, and they will open at home Saturday against the LA Kings. And, you know, they're only a few years removed from winning a Stanley Cup, play Gloria. And so many of those guys are still there. And what I saw first from Vladimir Tarasenko was a guy who was having fun, who wants to be there. But if it doesn't turn out that way, I'm sure plenty of teams would want a sniper like that. And Emma, before I get your take, I mean, I had a chance to talk to uh, Tarasenko's agent, who we both know well. And he told me, I asked him how the shoulder is because Tarasenko has gone through these injuries and it's always been the shoulder and he had the surgery. And his agent told me um, he picked the right surgery and the right guy to perform it, Dr. Peter Millet in Vail. And the mindset I asked about Vlad's mindset regarding, you know, requesting a trade in the offseason. And his agent told me his mindset is great. He prepares like a warrior each and every day. And um, he also said, wherever the road takes Vlad, he will succeed. Blues or elsewhere, he is a deadly threat. So I get the feeling that this is all Tarasenko has all the cards right now. If I'm Vlad Tarasenko, yes, I'm the warrior. I know how to put the puck in the net. Everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to want me come the trade deadline. But maybe if things work out, Emily, you know what? The St. Louis Blues will learn to love me again. And I would love to be here and helping the Blues win a Stanley Cup. That's just my gut feeling on it all. No, it's so interesting because there felt like there was a lot of drama this summer. It felt like we were at this point between player and management where it was irreconcilable, like they weren't going to find common ground. And so for him, you know, I don't know what the conversations were had with Doug Armstrong and the player, um, but they clearly were, hey, you're here. We need you. And if you want to get out of town, the best way to prove it and to up your value is to play well for us. And that's exactly what he's doing. And you know what also about him? There are some star players, we know who they are in the league, that excel in the regular season. But when it comes to playoff time, where are they? Where are they? They're not themselves. They can't figure it out. And then by the time they do, it's too late. Their team is eliminated. The player that that team depended on throughout the year can't figure it out in the postseason. That's not Tarasenko. He has proven to be a playoff scorer. 
So we'll see how this plays out. I hope, you know, my gut feeling, I know nothing, but I just hope he remains with the Blues. It's a great organization. Uh, amazing fan bases, you know, Emily. And, uh, you know, why not them? And that's how they feel. And every point matters. You know, it's only October. And I was thinking about this and we were talking about, okay, the great starts by some teams that are like unbelievable and the bad starts by others. You know, two points in October means the same as two points in March. Okay. (laughs) So no game is a given. No game is a pass. And in that central division, I don't have to tell you, arguably the toughest division in the National Hockey League. So every point matters, especially for the Blues. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's two things I wanted to talk about on the podcast today because I've got some updates for you too. Nice. Uh, One is Jack Eichel, but the next one that feels like a natural dovetail because we're all about transitions and what feels smooth would be another team in the Central who did not get to a good start, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, Linda, I was at that game on Tuesday. Jeremy Colleton gets booed by the home crowd when he's introduced. It was louder than when Gary Bettman gets booed. Okay, it was probably about the same. And the the thing with Jeremy Carlton is he was always put in an impossible situation, right? He's the guy that kind of came in as the scab that replaced Joel Quenville, who was so beloved. Um, But you heard some speculation, including on our broadcast by Sean McDonough, that maybe Sean um, he's on the hot seat. They have not won in their first four games. They look terrible in that first three-game road trip. I thought they played the Islanders really well, specifically for two periods, and let it unravel out again. But, like, they got 18 shots on goal on the Islanders in the first period. Anyone who can do that is doing something right. Anyway, so I checked in with some people with the Hawks um, today, Thursday before their game and said, what's the deal? Like, is Colleton on the hot seat? And it's funny because, yes, every game matters, but they're in the belief where it's like, we need to look at the long view here. It's an 82 game season and they're not panicking yet. Um, They feel like the narrative in the media got a little out of hand that the Blackhawks should be in win now mode because it was only last year that they put out that. Oh, I know. I see you rolling your eyes, but um, (laughs) let me explain to you what they're saying. I am. I'm pausing my thoughts. I know. I know. So they believe that, okay, we're still in this rebuild. We just announced this a year ago. Um, yes, we went out and got these players, but Marc-Andre Fleury was available and we didn't give up anything. Yes, we did give up an asset in Adam Boquist for Seth Jones, but we didn't really give up much, um, you know, in the sense of we thought that we were getting a number one true defenseman that we don't see come on the market very often. They really didn't give up anything for Tyler Donson. It was just Brent Seabrook's contract. They got some cap savings there. Anyway, the point being is they're saying the narrative has gotten totally out of whack we are still on the same trajectory we haven't deviated from that our only goal this year is to take a step forward and we're not panicking after four games now if it gets to 20 games and this is our record yeah we're gonna have some conversations and i don't think jeremy college is gonna be here but right now as we talk on october 21st there's not even closed doors conversations in chicago of jeremy Colleton losing his job because who else are they gonna get it's not like they're hiring mac mike babcock or you know one of the hot big no names on the market they're going to be looking for what they believe to be the next jeremy colleton and they like the guy he's in their building all right here's the thing there's so many things i want to jump on and great i know i know i gave you a lot there yeah uh first of all yeah i don't want to eat my words i pick chicago to somehow some way make the postseason and they're letting me down right now but it's not about me emily it's about this team jonathan taves has come back don't forget about the captain he has yet to register a single point 
Okay. Also, I didn't hear the big rebuild, reboot kind of uh, philosophy and mantra by the Blackhawks organization when they were out getting all these guys. I really didn't hear that reiterated as strongly as I hear it now. Of course, they're going to say that. Obviously, if I ran the Blackhawks, I'd probably say the same thing. I'd hire some big fixer, spinner person, PR maven, to tell me, what do I say to this fan base who are booing our head coach out of the arena? So Jonathan Taves, I would never have guessed not having a single point at this point. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. You spoke with him when the game you covered on Tuesday. What did he have to say? Did he say anything else other than what we heard on the broadcast to you? No, but I've talked to a lot of people around Jonathan Taves. I think it was hard physically to come back. I think camp was a little more difficult for him to get his legs because he just hasn't played competitive hockey in a year. So I think he's got to find his way. But talking to people around, it sounds like this break last year was as much about his physical health as it was his mental health. And the most interesting thing I've heard around Jonathan Taze is he really believes that because he took last year off, he added two years at the end of his career. So I just thought those things were pretty interesting. That's finding the positive, as I always like to do. The other thing is... (laughs) And now let me go back to my negatives. Yes, right. Because really, thank you, Emily. You know me so well. Uh, You said, okay, if Colleton is a goner, who the heck is going to come in? I don't want Mike Babcock. How about our colleague, John Tortorella? I think he's just, I don't know his contract. I'm just saying you can need a guy in there who doesn't take any crap. And that's torts, as we both know. And everyone else knows it in the hockey community and hockey world. You need a guy like that in there. You know, that's what you need in there to set the record straight. And why not torts? He's the guy that his name is going to be. I don't know his contract. I'm, I'm sure he's got an out. I'm guessing. If I was his agent, I'd say, make sure there's an out in that deal so you can leave this TV thing. You can always go back to the TV, but to get another head coaching job, because I don't think Torts is ready to call it quits uh, behind the bench. So I, that's to answer your question about if not Colleton, if he's gone, who comes in? And I know that's right. When you want, when the fans want to fire a coach. But if they be- Right. But if they view themselves as a developmental team, is Torts a developmental coach? I think they're, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It, We talked to Patrick Kane. He said all the right things when we were in Chicago on media days, because I love Patrick. You love Patrick. He doesn't want to hear rebuilding. He doesn't want to hear rebooting. I can read his mind. I don't know if you know that, but there's no way Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, he didn't come back for this. He saw those names. He saw those additions. He saw future Hall of Famer Marc-Andre Fleury, who I believe will get his act together. He saw that Seth Jones. Come on. Is he wishing he's still in Columbus right now? I mean, he's very happy. You know, what the heck? So, yeah, that ship will be righted. But enough about the negative. We'll see how that goes with Chicago. Uh, You said you had some Jack Eichel update. I want to hear that before I go into something else. I do. They're negative as well. (laughs) It's not negative in the sense that Okay. He obviously wants to get traded. And as I reported on the point a week ago, we were really close to a point where he was going to get traded and there's five teams still in and on the mix, but they've just gotten nowhere on trade fronts. Like the Buffalo Sabres are still asking for so much and teams just don't want to give that up with all the uncertainty. So this week, the efforts have changed. Jack has been seeing all these different doctors all over the country, a lot of specialists gathering a ton of information and they're bringing that to the Sabres and trying this week to convince the Sabres to get his preferred surgery. And they really feel like they might be able to do build a case and convince them. If that doesn't work, 
then we get to what nobody wanted in any of this. And that means Jack Eichel will have to file a grievance against the team. I'm not sure how great of a case he has, again, because of the CBA rules. But that's where we're at. And it's kind of the standstill. And it doesn't look good. And honestly, we're at the point now where I would be shocked if we see Eichel get to play this year. Well, just because, again, he needs to get the surgery and the recovery from either surgeries is going to have him on the bench. Yeah, that's for sure. I wonder what's going through his head knowing that the Sabres are undefeated as we speak. A 3-0, and they look happy, they look hungry, they look like they're having a great time, these players. I watched a bunch of their games. It's fun beating the Arizona Coyotes, hey? Yeah, but not all the time. There are other teams. They didn't play go 3-0 and against all Arizona all the time. And by the way, I can't wait to see uh, Connor McDavid explode for eight points. He already has eight points in three games. He's going to have eight points tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. Mark my words. Dreisaitl will have another six. Uh, getting back to Buffalo. 3-0, and uh, I don't know if uh, we, we owe them an apology because we still have a long way to go. Uh, we, we think this eventually is going to end, but I'm enjoying the ride. And they're playing Boston on ESPN Plus uh, Friday night, one of our exclusive games, first of two. Um, and anyone who's curious about how the Sabres are doing it, you might want to tune in to ESPN Plus because you're going to find out. I think it's great. Uh, the young guys are super uh, Donnie Granada behind the bench. She's one of the most beloved He's such guys. such a great story. For, absolutely. Uh, for those who don't know, why don't you fill us in about the whole Donnie Granado? Talk about a patient man finally getting his opportunity behind the bench. Honestly, Don Granado. And now I get to work with his brother-in-law, which is pretty cool at Ray. But He's the type of person where if you say his name anywhere around the league, people just smile and say, like, he's a good man. And even like being with Ray on the road, you can see it like oh, Jeremy yeah. Colleton was at, like, how's your brother-in-law doing? That's great. Anyway, Don Granada was on the track to be an NHL head coach. Um, and then he was diagnosed with cancer and he had to take time away. He was with the Blues organization at the time and he fought it and he came back. And then he was working for the Sabres um, as an assistant coach. And he had a terrible case of, I believe it was pneumonia and mm. was hospitalized and mm. was at the point where he was having a hard time breathing and they didn't know if he was going to make it. And he came out through that again. And finally, he gets his dream opportunity as a head coach in the NHL, but is as an interim last year for the Buffalo Sabres when they didn't have Jack Eichel, when they were in the middle of a terrible losing streak amidst all this dysfunction. And the fact that he was given the head coaching job this year, I think is just a testament to his character because that ownership knows what he's capable of. And I think they just know his reputation around the league. Yeah. And to do it with, with the squad, with the roster, he is definitely making an impact. It's only three games. I get it. Uh, the play of Craig Anderson so far, the old guy in the net, uh, don't call him old, like 40 years old, whatever he is, 41. Uh, he's doing fantastic. Tokarski is the other guy. And uh, I believe Linus Olmark is going to be playing against his old Buffalo Sabres mates. He'll get his first start for the Boston Bruins when those two tangle on uh, Friday night on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, is he going to score in every single game this year? Because so far, he's got goals in every game for the Capitals. They're off to this great start, 2-0-1. And uh, now he's seven shy of tying the great Brett Hole, Golden Brett, for seventh all-time uh, in sc scoring goals. Three goals in, th yeah, I think he's got more than three goals, but he has scored in uh, every single game so far for the Capitals. He's flying. It's like he wants to get this over with, like, tomorrow. He wants yeah, exactly. to great Gretzky tomorrow. But uh, it's just one of these guys that are off to such a great start. Do you know what's going to be cool, too? No one talks about this, but when Gretzky beat Brett Hall, 
Hall went on the road and traveled and was at the game so he could be there when Gretzky beat his record. And Gretzky says he wants to do the same for Ovechkin. And like, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be such a spectacle. Question is, how long are we going to have to wait? A couple of years, probably two and a half, probably three. I mean, it's not like Ovi's a, a youngster and we always worry about, you know, knocking on wood. He's hopefully won't get hurt. But the Russian machine never breaks, Linda. <laughs> So Come true. on, you know that. So but true. Honestly, as encouraging as Ovechkin's start, I think it's Kuznetsov because that's a guy that had fallen out of favor in the organization. They could not get another team to take on that contract. They were going to have to retain a lot, and they didn't want to do that. Um, and he looks good, too. Yeah, and it's interesting. All these other teams that said, nah, I don't think I want Kuzi. Maybe they're thinking, oh, you know. But he seems like in a good place, and and that that is for sure. We talked about Kopitar, I think, in the last episode. You know, King's... We don't know what they are, right? But it's good to see a guy like Kopitar off to a great start. And it was funny last week, the players of the week looked like it was out of, you know, last decade. I mean, it, because it was all, you know, veteran players who starred and, and helping their respective teams get off to a great start. So back in the day, maybe an episode or two ago, that's back in the day in my definition, Emily, I think I mentioned something about one of the greatest moments uh, of my hockey life I had at the United Center. And I had forgot to pay that off. And then I saw on social media, because I followed the legend, the queen, Billie Jean King, no pun intended. Um, she, you were there in Chicago. She, in between periods, did the thing that the Blackhawks organization does. It's really this fun thing. They'll take a fan. They'll take a celebrity. They'll take someone like Billie Jean King. And, you know, she shoots and she scores into a little mouse hole uh, in the opposing goal from center ice. And, she put out a funny tweet about, you know, I played so many different sports growing up along with tennis. No one ever thought to start me off on hockey. I wish they did. And that that triggered the payoff and the story that I want to tell you, because many years ago, not too many, but probably about, I don't know, four years ago, I was invited to in between uh, periods to do exactly what Billie Jean King did. I had a little hockey helmet. I walked out onto the ice on the carpet. I had a hockey stick. I think I was wearing a black. I was there as a matter of fact, I was there as a fan with my brother watching, of course, the Rangers in Chicago. And they knew I was there. So they asked me down. Anyway, so I shot and I scored on my first try. And someone actually took a picture of it. And so there you go. There's the payoff. So Billie Jean reminded me of that, that I, too, did that. That's incredible. That's what I have in common with Billie Jean King. So I have one thing. What a legend. Plus we both wear glasses. She does so wear that's glasses. That's my story. That's amazing. I love that you have yeah. that name. Okay. I will, I want to tell a story from the United Center too, because I was between the benches and I didn't get to sell this on air, but honestly, Linda, at the end of the game, yes. it was one of those games yes. that started getting feisty. There was a fight. Um, Kyra picked a fight with Matt Martin. Everyone's like, that's the wrong guy. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> okay. So I'm sitting between the benches and it's Kirby Doc on my left from the Blackhawks and Matt Barzell from the Islanders on my right. And they skate off oh. of a shift and they're just yapping at each other. And Kirby says something like, dude, you're so annoying. And Matt's like, look in the mirror. You're annoying. And, he, and then Kirby's like, who are you? <laughs> and then Matt Barzell's like, who are you? And then the linesman skates over and goes, guys, this is my water break. And I'm spending it over here to break you up. You're worse than my kids. And then Brock Nelson goes, well, then don't be over here. Go over there. It honestly felt like a comedy routine. It was hilarious. 
the voice of reason, Brock Nelson, the older brother <laughs> of those two youngsters. And yes, it sounded like something out of elementary school. I thought it was so, that's so cute. I can't believe they didn't put you on the air with that. That's great intel. And I'm glad, thank goodness we have a podcast for goodness sake. So we can hear stories like this, but that's great, but that's fun. And that's what's so cool about being in between the benches uh, for sure. That's fun. It was funny. A GM asked me um, this week and he's like, how are you liking it so far? You know, like, what are you noticing? And I was like, you know, I do my whole spiel. I obviously have a new appreciation for the game. And I really do watching from the vantage point, the speed, but you learn how many guys just have potty mouths. It's the guys that you don't expect that are dropping F-bombs all of the time. And also just noticing how gassed guys are after every single shift um, is incredible. It's just insane to see. And then my other favorite moment for the Blackhawks Islanders game, it's not even a favorite moment, but um, I noticed in the first period that Oliver Wallstrom was like bleeding like crazy out of his mouth and then coughing up blood on the sideline. It was pretty gross, like on the bench right next to me. And, you know, they're trying to give him gauze and then he has to go into the room um, then he comes back out and he scores two goals. So I get to interview him after the game. And I said, Oliver, like, you know, I noticed you've got blood on your Jersey. I saw you coughing up blood. Like, what were you dealing with in this game? And he goes, well, I bit my tongue in the first period. And now you can see I have a lip because of it. And it was just, I don't know, kind of adorable. And it's just a reminder that these guys play through so much. Um, but anyway, you get to notice those things. Cause I don't think anyone else would have known that. Oliver Wallstrom bit his tongue in the first period and then had an absolutely incredible game. All right. The big question is, did he actually sound like that throughout your post game? He did. He did. I didn't notice it until he pointed it out. And then I was like, oh God, you pointed it out. I can't stop noticing. <laughs> because if, if someone didn't know what went on earlier in the game, they'd be like, oh, is that how Oliver speaks? Yeah. That's interesting. It was confusing. Oliver. I love that name. I mean, I, I just, back in the day before you were born, before a lot of people were born, there was this great movie called Oliver. Um, it was about an orphanage. Sarah, can I have some more? Thank you. I know that and movie. The soundtrack. All right. Well, your parents did well by educating you on some great musical productions. We loved musicals. It's a fabulous musical. It's a great story. I can't believe I'm thinking about it now, but I'm sure I'm not going to even go out on a limb and put money on it. But uh, perhaps Oliver's parents or perhaps grandparents, because Oliver is so young, really saw that film saw that play and yes hey let's name you know our child oliver because who are, what other famous olivers are there oliver twist See, okay that but he's even older oh i don't know i just know <laughs> right? Oliver twist yeah that's it i mean to my point there are not a lot of famous oliver oliver ekman larson oh there's one one okay oliver okay oliver ekman larson all right, maybe for another episode of this podcast, we'll get into him. We'll invite some Olivers on. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. On a serious note, uh, you know, we know most of the NHL, if not all of it, I don't know the percentage, you're, you're, you know these things, uh, are vaccinated for COVID. Yet little by little, dribs and drabs, we're, we're seeing several players, multiple players in COVID protocol because they tested positive for COVID, then they tested negative. You know, it's Mark Shifley's up in the air, your poor Winnipeg Jets with your guy, Connor Hellebuck. It's been a disaster. May I remind you, John Gibson still should be the starting goaltender for Team USA, not your guy, Connor Hellebuck. He's been awful. I love how he's now my guy. He is, because you put your name behind him and you're pushing And for it's him. my Chicago Blackhawks, I bet. And your Chicago Blackhawks, even though I picked them to go to the playoffs. And my rebuild. And your rebuild. And you're responsible. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I go. So, yeah. 
So then you got, look at the Penguins. You know, I know they suffered their first loss the other day, but Mike Sullivan's doing a great job. But okay, Jeff Carter, their leading scorer in COVID protocol. Okay, Tristan Jari, who nobody had faith in, had like has a 930 save percentage off this amazing start. He's in COVID protocol. So this is kind of interesting, you know, how teams navigate. Mike Sullivan said, hey, you know, last year we were so lucky. This wasn't an issue. And now suddenly we're hit with it. Be interesting. It's just something to watch people because, right, Emily? Because yeah, I said that earlier, every point matters. Every, you know, couple of points when you win a game in October means the same in March and April. So, you know, it's just something that's interesting to see, to watch, see how these star players are dealing with it. You know, Vegas, as I, as I, you know, everyone's picking as we all did Vegas to win the Pacific division, they're going through some serious adversity now. Um, their offensive depth, they got a lot. They had 43 shots on goal on Jordan Bennington on uh, Wednesday night and could only put one by him. They're putting shots on goal without Stone, without Pacioretty, without Alex Tuck, but they're not finishing. They don't have finishers. Uh, Robin Leonard's doing his part. He had a great game last night. It wasn't he his fault. He looked insane last yeah. night. Yeah, he was unbelievable. But he's exhausted. You know, so uh, the thing is, it's like we have to watch Vegas. We have to see uh, if how far back they're going to take a step. And Edmonton, own adversity, Mike Smith on IR lower body injury. I'm not saying, you know, Mike Smith is, you know, uh, was going to be a Vezina finalist. Uh, but the point is they brought up uh, your Mike Smith. Yes. Me or Mike Smith. We're both, <laughs> we're both competing for it. Uh, but they brought up the kid, Scott Skinner from the AHL, the Condors uh, to help out uh, uh, Koskinen. So again, goaltending becomes an issue for the Edmonton Oilers. They are in they look like the 1980s Edmonton Oilers right now with the points Drysaddle and McDavid are putting up. Uh, but uh, the goaltending again, we always come back to the goaltending with this team. But will they have enough to overtake Vegas to win the Pacific? You know, it's been such an exciting start to the season. I really noticed the pace in games feels like it's popped up. Like it just, it feels like everyone's electric. Maybe it's the crowds. They're all excited to be there. We've seen, you know, some pretty entertaining stuff on the ice, but Injuries are piling up for a lot of teams. Like Vegas, obviously, is a big one because those are, you know, their two right. best forwards, plain and simple. Simple. Um, you know, you mentioned Mike Smith and the Oilers. How about Jack Hughes after that unbelievable overtime winner that he got where he tosses a stick over? I heard that he was so cute afterwards. He's like, Am I going to get fined or suspended <laughs> for that? And it's like, No, Jack Hughes, you're fine. Obviously, this is what the league needs. They got a sigh of relief because he got his MRI yesterday on Wednesday and there was no structural damage in his shoulder. It's just separated. Um, oh, no surgery, but, which is great. No surgery. So no yeah. surgery, which is huge. He's just going to have to get on the bike, keep his cardio up, work on mobility and flexibility. He's got an appointment, I think, on Tuesday and they'll get a sense of when he's out. How about Nikita Kucherov? I was oh. trying to report around this and having a hard time getting any details whatsoever of like what's Shocking. going on. I don't think they know yet. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, you know, his agent politely says, I don't comment on client injuries and trying to get something out Who of the does? Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, we even where his whereabouts are. Like, what? where is he? Is he in Tampa Bay? My sense is he's seeing some specialists not in Tampa Bay, and they'll know early next week. The good news is Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish are two guys they were high on. They were rotating in and out of the lineup for each other. Now they both can play and get those reps. But, like, come on, when you're losing Nikita Kucherov, it's not good. Also, the good news is the Lightning do say, from what they know now, that he will be back, unlike last year, he will be back sometime during the regular season. Keyword, regular season. So that, as we know, last or year. Or his buddy, Mikhail Sergachev, who's like, 
oh, he'll be back for the Olympics for Russia. It's like, really, Mikhail, are you the doctor? Did you get this information? <laughs> Did but, he make the appointment on Tuesday? What's going on? What's yeah, exactly. Happening? I mean, you know, uh, so what we got to see. But yeah, it's a really good observation, Emily. So between the COVID protocols, who's got it, who doesn't, who cares, and the actual injuries, and it's a shame with Jack Hughes, we both talked to him uh, in Chicago in media days. We both were like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to have a breakout season. Uh, we th- thought He's that. the swagger this year. I was going to say, and not only we thought that, but he thought that. <laughs> That's what he told us, basically, in so many words. And he was backing it up with action so far in that small sample size. So uh, we hope he gets on the ice soon because Devils, again, I mean, I'm looking forward to it's not going to be for a while. I think it's November 2nd. Uh, but that'll be here before we know it. But the Devils will be in Anaheim. I'll be between the benches for that game. So I'm looking forward. Hopefully Jack Hughes will be back by then. And then uh, Dougie Hamilton and all those guys. It's interesting about the Devils. P.K. Subban suddenly is in the bet. Like no one's talking about P.K. Subban. I mean, when he became a New Jersey Devil, he was like the face, right? A, fa- a wonderful face. He was the face of the franchise. He was outspoken, great personality. We know he's done some stints for ESPN and SportsCenter. He just aced that. He was fantastic, a future broadcaster. But nobody, you know, PK's just, it's, I kind of like it. So PK doesn't feel like the weight of the world on him in Newark. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's sad because honestly, his career has deteriorated quite a bit recently and it, it kind of felt like a steep decline. And I know he doesn't believe that and he works really hard, but he's just not the number one defenseman he was when Nashville was in that Stanley Cup final. Like right. his skating just isn't there. It's, he doesn't have as much offensive. Hey, I'm just trying to find the positive. You're, you're talking about the guy's decline. I'm finding the positive (laughs) thinking, Oh, maybe, maybe he'll can relax. You teed me up for it. Maybe he can relax. You teed me up for it, Linda. All right. Here's the positive. You and I are going to be in the same city this weekend. Oh my, I'm Tomorrow. so glad you brought that up. That city is Seattle. You know, I uh, was there, worked there at uh, KIRO-TV uh, in Seattle. That was my big break television-wise. ESPN spotted me. I have great memories in Seattle. My daughter, Sammy, was born there. Yes, the Sammy that's also your age. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to being back, but I am especially ecstatic that you will be part of the broadcast crew along with me and Kevin Weeks. And who else do we got in that? Who's in the booth on uh, Friday and uh, a Saturday on ESPN plus. And by the way, I am so pumped up to, before you get into our colleagues, but I'm so pumped up to see that climate pledge arena. I've read everything. It's sick. And ridiculous. Media got a tour. We were not invited to that. Of course, we didn't want to schlep to Seattle earlier than we had to. You were invited. Oh, if you wanted to go, they would have had you. Oh, maybe Linda. they would have. Oh, me? They like me? They want me? Linda, they would show you around. You're going to be a queen when you arrive. I hope so. But no, I'm just kidding. You know what? My picture, I'm told, still hangs with others in the Seattle Seahawks media room. See? From back in the day. You're going to be a queen there. That's incredible. But no, it'll be me between the benches. We've got Ray Ferraro, who I've worked with the last two games. And then I get Levy. I haven't worked a game with Levy yet. Oh, so he's doing the the, uh, play-by-play? He's doing the play-by-play. Yeah, I think uh, McDonough's got some college football. Oh, lovely. Uh, Super. So we're excited about that. So that's going to be Saturday night. And just a reminder on yes, that's what I was going to say. I was going to just pump it up, but well said. We're trained. It's like I have ESPN or something. That's right. Like I have ESPN Plus or something. Well, I should hope so. That line now, Uh, but I think everyone should have it. And I and this is not just us doing a promo. If you want to see history, it's Seattle's home opener. Okay, you want and you can only get it 
on ESPN Plus. It's one of our 75 exclusive ESPN Plus games. Unless you're like made of money and can be there in person, good job by you. But that is the only yeah, holy cow, the tickets oh, record breaking. What is it? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, they said it was the hottest Seattle sporting event in like 15 years. It's a lot, really, considering the Seahawks and their popularity. I won't get into the other teams mm-hmm. right now. But the whole thing is uh, the WNBA storm that wins championships are the Sounders that have quite a following, too. Yes. And by the way, the storm will are playing and will be playing in that gorgeous climate pledge arena. And so it is built for basketball. Can we get the Sonics back, please? I sound like our ex-colleague, Kenny Maine, who's always pushing to get the Sonics back. I work with Kenny in Seattle before we both got to ESPN and we covered the Sonics. Unbelievable. So I too, well, I know, isn't it? I too want the NBA back in that building. So I think, I think and great they for- configured the building with the NBA in mind, knowing that if the NBA ever comes back, they'll be ready to go. Um, I've been seeing all of these people take snapshots of what the Seattle Kraken ticket prices are right now and the Oklahoma City Thunder ticket prices are right now. And it's like, look at a city that's got some demand. So um, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, no. So we're really looking forward to that. In the meantime, I'm hosting In the Crease, the best hockey highlight show in the business on ESPN Plus. Another reason to get ESPN Plus for only $6.99 a month and you get everything else. Um, And so that I'll be doing that tonight. Uh, which is Thursday night as we speak. And uh, what do you got going tonight? Mm. Don't tell me you have a day off. You got nothing. <laughs> I did the point today. Tonight I have Oh, off, you worked already. Okay. I've got to make some calls to get ready for Saturday's game. It's a quick turnaround. I want to, you know, report out some things. Tomorrow I'll fly. Yes. I'll see you Friday afternoon. As you have promised right. me to do something very seattle with me. I think that's a direct quote. Yes. I got to figure that what the heck that is and what's open there. Who the heck knows with Seattle? But- we will find. I was something. there two weeks ago. It was really, you know, I think they figured out they were one of the early cities, right? That got hit with it. And I sometimes feel like those cities kind of figure things out, but it's definitely a city where you wear masks, where, you know, there's some social distancing, but you can eat indoors. And I even did a workout class there. And if you show your Vax card, you can take off your mask. So that was nice. If you want to get to the gym with me. Oh, all right. There's some inspiring uh, message for me. Yeah, for sure. Why not? I mean, hey, you guys heard it. No, Linda's coming to the not. gym with me. I know. Either that or we'll have the best coffee in the world in Seattle because I want, co- I want sushi. Bring me sushi. Yeah. Can we go we, have sushi? We could do that. Sashimi. Uh, done. Done and done. Done and done. And coffee. All right. We'll need cool. it. And definitely have the coffee. All right, Em, see you there. Safe travel. See you tomorrow.